Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. I'm Carrie Corgan, and this is The Opus, an exploration of legendary records and their ongoing legacy. In our latest season, I'm joined by Lizzie Hale, Warren Zanes, Daphne A. Brooks, and many more to revisit Jeff Buckley's Grace. We discuss Buckley's femininity in an era of hyper-masculine alt-rock, how the record's mythology was shaped by his tragic death, and the delicate work of keeping his legacy alive. Find us at Consequence of Sound or wherever you listen to podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network Of course, it's a podcast. That means you can subscribe to it. Keep up with all of the interviews that we put out every single week. And there are multiple interviews every single week with all of your favorite artists talking about their work. So hit that subscribe button wherever you get your favorite podcasts from, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And if you're already a subscriber, thank you so much for, uh, for joining along. Uh, you can do us a big help and uh, give the series a rating, uh, maybe leave a review, or just uh, say hi in the comments box. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest is Paula Cole. She is back with a brand new record. It is called Revolution. That is a title that means a lot in any era, but it especially means something in 2019. And we're going to get into all of the topics. What inspired her to put a planned jazz album to the side and get to work on all new originals that reflect what's going on in the world? But also one cover that made the record, a Marvin Gaye song that you know, Mercy, Mercy Me. We'll hear the story on tackling that very tall order and how Marvin Gaye's music and the themes connect this new record revolution to 1999's Amen, which in itself was a record that came out in a very interesting time, not just in the world, but also in Paula Cole's career. We'll also have fun talking about Hyam recently covering a couple of Paula's biggest hits, I Don't Want to Wait, and Where Have All the Cowboys Gone, how she teaches the new generation as a professor at the Berklee College of Music, and so much more. Talking about this brand new record called Revolution, it's Kyle Meredith with Paula Cole. Hi, Kyle. It's Paula Cole. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Congratulations on Revolution. It, it is great to hear this record again. I, I was We were a fan of, of ballads before this, but it's always great to have some original music from you. And it's a powerful record, so so congrats on that. I'm so appreciative that you're listening to me like well beyond the hits and you understand what I'm doing. Thank you. <laughs> well beyond the hits. Well, that you know, I'll start with that title. That seems like an easy, easy place there, maybe some low-hanging fruit, because that's a title. I mean, that's a word for our times for sure, but, but I feel like you probably have more in mind than just the big picture revolution. Oh, certainly. It's all of that. I strongly believe in that quote by Picasso, artists are the politicians of the future. He was an artist who would immediately make commentary on on the now and what was happening socially, politically. And it it takes some bravery to do it because you definitely experience some backlash as I did with Amen. But I need 
to make music that's not just about myself. I've written lots of love songs, lots of kind of existential angst-ridden personal songs. I have a lot of autobiography, and I understand that the personal can be universal, but I need to express beyond myself in keeping with the masters and my heroes, like writing for for healing. We need to talk about the planet. We need to talk about race in America. We need to honor women and having vision and dreams and equality and and all these things. And and some of that is personal. I mean, it lands in songs like Silent, which is the only song on Revolution that I write the lyrics out for because it's like a short story and it's just understanding that at age 51 that silence is not working for me as a woman. It's something that's been passed through generations and it doesn't work. It doesn't work for us women. We need to uh, have our voices and let out some of the the pain um, to heal and then get on with an equal situation in this life. So it's all those things. Beyond revolution, I, I have a lot of hopes and dreams. I mean, um, I hope to live a long life and I've got ballads too on the back burner and I want to write a book and I have a couple other albums in my mind. I don't know why I have such a strong sense of mortality and purpose, but I do. So I feel the clock's ticking and I have a lot of work to do. Well, I appreciate the work that you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned race in there, and of course, one of these songs stands out above a lot of the other ones because you've chosen to cover uh, Mercy, Mercy Me, which uh, you know can be seen as a lot of different ways. It's a great humanitarian song, but I wonder when it's sort of associated a lot of times coming you know, from where Marvin Gaye was coming from at that time, how do you approach that as a white person taking on a song like that, or, or, or was that even a thought? At this point, it's, it's not so much a thought because... I started as a jazz singer, and I've been worshiping at the altar of profound musicians that happen to be African-American, you know, for, for decades now, whether it's been Miles or Coltrane or Billie Holiday or Ella or Nat King Cole or Shaka Khan or Aretha and Tina Turner, and I could go on and on. These are my heroes, and I'm a white girl, and it's been, you know, complicated at times, but in a spirit of humility and learning... Uh, I'm I'm touched by their messages, their voices, and um, I, to me, Marvin Gaye is just a—he was so ahead of his time. He 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 felt the same. He didn't want to sing just love songs anymore in 1971. He wanted to sing about the Vietnam War, and he wanted to sing about humanity and and ecology and the planet, the health of species and biodiversity. He sang about that in Mercy, Mercy Me. That was so ahead of its time, and it's a song that needs to be heard now as we're like confronting environmental disaster and the extinguishing of multiple species in our generation. It's so frightening. It's so frightening, and uh, we have to talk about it. Again, breaking silence. This is the theme. It's my one cover song on Revolution. Marvin Gaye is my teacher. He taught me and inspired me on my third album, Amen. He is teaching me and inspiring me now uh, on revolution. Uh, the The race issue doesn't equate for me. I I mean, I, I see it every day. I live it. My family has uh, biracial members in it. it. It's personal for me. But because I've been a jazz singer, worshiping at the altar of the music, this is a, mostly an African-American art form, yeah. lest we forget that I... I have I have great humility about this. I feel like more white people should be talking about this. Right, 
Right. Marvin Gaye, you mentioned, you know, uh, was sort of the inspiration behind Amen. And, and, and I've heard you talk about, like, these two records, they do sort of go hand in hand thematically and musically like that as well. Is it an absolute, is it an actual coincidence that it just happens to be exactly 20 years later? Perhaps it, uh, I, you know, the anniversary made me melancholy or nostalgic. And also, um, Amen really marked a turning point for me. I, I made a different kind of statement after the hits on this fire. I wanted to make my message more universal and social, political and spiritual. And and there was some backlash. And then there was kind of an anti-Lilith movement at the time. And there were different kinds of pop musicians coming up on the scene, like, like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. It was much more pop, like uber pop. And and I was a dark horse as it was anyway, but, you know, was kind of complicated. I was much more complicated and was known for the hits, whereas my back catalog is really where my heart lives. And it's very diverse. And I had a jazz background. I was a jazz singer. So I felt a bit misunderstood. I mean, hell, a whole lot misunderstood, even with where have all the cowboys gone. I mean, people thought I was being fundamental. There was no sense of understanding of irony or humor, right? By by certain people, and like Rush Limbaugh, who loved this song, <laughs> right? You know, it was very bizarre for me <laughs> to think, you know, to realize that I was being so misunderstood. But but you know, no matter, you, you you love everybody, you're patient, and I just needed to step away from that version of how I was being understood. And I raised my daughter, took an eight year hiatus, and came back, and I've been kind of working with my deep tracks now for twelve years. Mm-hmm. Um, is it 12 years? No. Yeah, since 2007. So 12 years. And I don't know if I probably strayed from your question. No, I it's okay. Forgotten what I like when they stray from the questions, when you stray from the questions. I'll point out, you know, very quickly, seeing Haim take on, you know, those two songs, the two hits like that, and playing them at uh, at their most recent shows. I mean, that also says a lot to what your music, you know, speaking over generations, you know, beyond just a time and place, you know, a, how they've related and how they keep going. I mean, I think that's that's got to be one of the uh, the big goals for any artist is to have their song live on in, in that sort of way. That's been profound. Profound to see the way it's been picked up by the next generation. Getting me. Getting me, finally, you know. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I was super moved by them. And they're just such, like, badasses. And also there's a group called They... Mm-hmm. They are an African-American duo, and they took I Don't Want to Wait, and they made this brilliant creation out of it. They renamed it Dante's Creek with a nod to the whole <laughs> Dawson's Creek thing. But I love what they do. I, I love it so much. Sometimes I love it more than my version. But I see the song live on in the most unexpected ways through all walks of life. And that's true honoring. Sometimes I feel I wasn't understood enough. And it just experienced some backlash that was kind of unnecessary. I wanted to leave the music business, and I, I confided in Emmy Lou Harris, who was this great soul to me. She was grandmotherly in her love. She had wisdom, like a like an old willow tree. And she, she just said to me, "You, it just happened too fast for you, Paula. Like she said, I'm, I'm lucky. I had this nice long plateau. Um, she's been able to keep loyal audiences and have her artistic statement that would swerve and give us cool, unexpected, Dan- Daniel and Wah-influenced stuff, and then she'd come back to bluegrass. She's 
so righteous. I love her so much. And she just, she said, you can't, you can't leave it. You know, she helped me stay on the path. I will always love her for that. I wanted to leave it for sure. It's, it's hard to be a musician. It's hard to be on the road, not feel connected to your family sometimes. And, and then worse, like be misunderstood or so I've just got to be in it for the music and higher purpose. And I'm so touched that millennials are somehow like feeling it. I'm so touched by that. Gives me a lot of hope. Well, and as a teacher, too, at at Berkeley College of Music, I mean, you get to offer tools to a generation that's sort of burdened in a way that none of us, you know, uh, had to deal with growing up and, and to give them, you know, the tools of of uh, how to present yourself uh, through music. I, I, I think I'm, I'm throwing some assumptions because I think that's what you're able to do with, with, with that kind of uh, platform. You know, I, I definitely push them, and I'm tough, but I'm kind. So I'm always like, they need to write a song a week, and they need to have high expectations on them, and they need to write socially, politically, and think about the world and be on themselves. But it's also parental and loving and just helping them understand to not make the mistakes that I made or to be aware of some of the pitfalls of the business. But I learned from them too. Their openness, their willingness to break silence and not put up with a whole lot of bullshit. This is very inspiring for me. And it was instrumental in me speaking out in that song, Silent. Mm-hmm. I thank them in the album credits. My, my millennials, thank you to my students for inspiring me to break silence. Well, and, and, you know, I'll briefly just hit on a couple of the songs because even just the titles themselves says so much when you have the first, the lead single with, with Go On, which I know has its own really interesting story about being 26 years in the making and, and finishing it with uh, with just those three words, Hope is Everywhere, you know, as, a, as the bonus track there. To be able to say Hope is Everywhere in 2019, uh, it takes a lot. It, it, it takes a lot, but you, you make it work in those songs. Thank you, because I'm, I'm writing things that I need. I need these mantras. I need the words of Martin Luther King Jr. I need the words of the Buddha. I need a mantra such as hope is everywhere. This is what we need. We need to put positivity out. The the news is so depressing. Trust me, I, I wake up at 4 a.m. worried about orangutans and elephants and, you know, the Brazilian forest. And I need these words in order to keep going. We need the sensitives and the love warriors. We need to uh, perpetuate our energy so that we can make a difference, make a better better place. So, yes. And I, I tried to make it anthemically dancey, right. you know, bringing out my Donna Summer. <laughs> so the, it was called, the engineer, Pete Min, he, he laughs and says, this is like Prague disco. <laughs> it's, it's something that's really unusual, and I don't know how to qualify it. So it brings up, like, numerous influences from neo-soul and R&B to, to disco to, I don't know. But the point is, I wanted to get asses out of seats and for us to feel jubilant in our kitchens, right? right. And feel energized and and feel hopeful so we can make energetic movement because nothing's going to change if we're a complacent society behind our laptops, addicted to Netflix and Amazon, right? There's not going to be any change with voting or environment or rights, civil rights, if, if we we're just glued to our screens. So we've got to we've got to provoke and energize with positivity. I think the answer there is amen, amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm on the toot. Give me. <laughs> yeah. 
Polly Cole, thank you so, so much. Uh, again, congratulations on Revolution. It is so great to hear this record, and everything that you're saying and singing about is so important, and I, I, I so appreciate it. That's beautiful. And to be continued and lots of love. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much, and, uh, and take care. Yes, you too. Right. See you soon, I hope. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye-bye. A big, big thanks. Paula Cole, the new record is called Revolution. Before you get out of here, I I do hope if you're not a subscriber yet that you do hit the subscribe button, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere you get your favorite podcasts from. And if you are a subscriber, uh, thank you so much. It would be a huge help if you gave the series a rating or left a review or even just a a comment as as a hi, hello, and where you're listening from. After that, head to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour of brand new songs, anniversary celebrations, clips from these interviews, and music news as well at 6 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday at WFPK.org. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. You can also find me at Twitter at Kyle Meredith and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.